don't worry about that. Um, we're, we get back to the old-fashioned days. The kids were in church, and then you could hear them asking for prayer as they came to come out to help come to Jesus meeting. I actually saw that happen one time. A kid yelled out, y'all pray for me. <laughs> it might have minimized what happened outside, or it might have amplified what happened outside. <laughs> but uh, we knew what was going to happen. Uh, this is Hebrews chapter 11. I want to start right at verse 1, talk to you a little bit about faith this morning, something that we all have and something that we lo- like to nurture and something that we would like to build on. And I hope there's some things out of this that will help you do all of that. It says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts and by him, even though being dead, yet he spoke. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For he had this testimony that he pleased God. And we know very well the following verse. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Isn't it interesting that he's linking Enoch as a model of that? That he had this testimony, he pleased God, and, and it's all because of faith. He said, by faith Enoch was translated. Without faith it is impossible to please him, but he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When you look at the first lines of verse 6, It really should make us stand up and take special attention to how important faith is because without it, none of us in this room can please God. We can't even begin to please Him. So how do we please God? When we accept Christ as our Savior, it was a direct act of faith, was it not? At that moment, at that time, we felt the call of God, we felt the urging of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we knew something was going on, and we had faith to say yes to Him, right? Where did that faith come? We'll talk to that, talk to you a little bit about that in a, in a moment. We'll come back to verse 3. I want to re- read again, though, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, that He is God, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The word rewarder is the, is the only place in all of the New Testament that Greek word is used. And it literally means someone who pays wages. It's almost as though he's saying that God is, is obligated to honor faith. That he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He, he, he will be, in a sense, obligated to take care of why you're seeking him. Why, why are you pursuing him? And the bottom line is that we have to have faith. We have to have faith to please God. 
We have to want to please him, and the path to please him is a path of faith. I want to take you to Romans chapter 12, because where does faith come from? How does faith enter into us at all? And I believe there's a statement in Romans chapter 12, 3, that lets us know where faith comes from. And it's kind of like, it's not really connected to what I'm going to say other than the way this verse ends. He said, I say, though, the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, to think more in a common way, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Do you understand that God has given to every person enough faith to step out on faith? Enough faith to believe when they hear the gospel. Every person's been given, so faith originates with God. God gives every one of us, and one of us, if anybody says, well, I just don't have faith, well, that's not true. You do have faith. You practice faith all the time. Faith is a, another word for trust. You put trust, you put trust in people that you're passing on McFarland Boulevard. I mean, I, I believe you put faith in them that they're going to stay in their lane. And you're on high alert to make sure they stay in their lane. But we wouldn't be getting in a car if we didn't trust that we would be safe, that we'd be okay, that, that our car would get us to where we need to go. This is, we exercise faith throughout the day, and it's not that we are saying like, hey, by faith I'm going to go out and get in my car. But by faith you do go out and get in your car. By faith you go to work. By faith you take care of things that are your responsibilities. You don't think otherwise. It's this resolute trust that I believe I can do what's on my plate today, right? That we have that kind of faith. C.S. Lewis was a man of faith before he became a Christian. Because he believed in something else. He believed that there could not be a God with the cruel world that he lived in. A world that he fought in World War I, a world that he lost his mom at an early age. And he just felt that if there was a God of mercy, a, a good God, that that just wouldn't work in the world. And then he realized that he believed in what cruelty was. And he come to think, well, why do I think that the world is cruel? Where did I get that idea? And it comes back to God is a standard of righteousness. God is a standard of love. And so there's a dark world that we live in that's the opposite. And he realized that why he was so opposed to God, he, I think he would tell you he really wasn't an atheist. He might have told some people that, but he, he was really mad at God for not being God. He even kind of pointed that out. So where was all that coming from? There was in him was a faith that God deposited, and he chose to direct that faith in a different way. And that's true about Everybody on this earth believes in something. Everybody. E even the, the most, uh, like Richard Dawkins, he, he champions that he's an evolutionist and he's an atheist. It's because he believes something else. And so there's inside of him an element of faith. And he believes what he believes because there's faith in him, not faith that really is directed to God, but God has given every person the capacity to believe. Faith is the way of trust. It's another word for trust. 
God gives us saving faith that we believe when we hear the gospel. Saving faith is acting on the gospel when we hear the gospel at that moment to respond and say, yes, Lord, you died on the cross, not just for the world. You died on the cross for me. Was your conversion personal? When you, you realize that he died on the cross, yes, he died on the cross all those years ago, and he died for the entire world, but suddenly it became personal to you. And in becoming personal to you, we receive it. I want to take you back to, for a moment to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. It's, it's kind of like a verse that just gets lost in reading it, but it's not lost in what faith is all about. Through faith, we understand, and by the way, the entire chapter of, of, of Hebrews chapter 11 is about faith. But here's this statement. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And the word, translated word of God, is rhema. It points back to when God said, let there be light, and there was light. There was nothing, and then God spoke all of that into being. And this is why he says, we understand that the worlds were framed by the voice of God speaking words, declaring, let there be light, and suddenly there was light. He spoke all of the constellations into existence. He created everything Except man with just words. He created man with his own hands and breathed into man his own breath. But everything else God was speaking. And the writer of Hebrews says we can point back to when God spoke all of that into existence. That that was the word of God and that's what was making faith come alive in people. And think about that as we go to Romans chapter 10. By the rhema of God, the worlds were framed. And you might have heard this before in Romans 10. But the word translated as word is also rhema here. I think it's interesting he asked the question in verse 8 of Romans 10. But what does it say? The word, the rhema, the rhema is near you. It is in your mouth. And it is in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. In other words, is we are declaring the word of faith and it's in your heart, it's in your mouth. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So what happens first? Does faith or the response of the heart work first? What prompts, does one prompt the other? We kind of feel like they're working simultaneously, right? That we hear, we hear the word of God, but we already have faith in our heart. He said it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the rhema of God. So faith is directly linked to what God said, what the prophet said. I want you to take this down to verse 12 in Romans 10. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, 
For the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon him. Now watch this. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? You remember verse 17? We quote verse 17 a lot, but it's connected to all this other stuff. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of God. The rhema of God that points all the way back in Genesis 1-1, God said, let there be light. And that same rhema word is deposited in your heart, deposited in your soul. We, we did a song a while ago, I believe in you. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe. And those declarations are important. We might ought to sing that song every day as a confessional. Because it is not up to our persuasive skills. Brandon talked about preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, one-on-one evangelism. It's not by our skills of persuasion that people are saved. It is not by how confident we feel about how good we share the gospel. It is the gospel that has the power of God into salvation. If we just give the gospel out, it has the power to transform a person's life. Sometimes I think we hesitate to do that because there's a lot. I'm not sure if I can really do that. Just share your testimony. Share the gospel, how Christ changed your life. The word of God has power. It has power to change a person's life. You know, I, I did a little research one time, and the praise team can come up, of, of D.L. or uh, Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody. And uh, his, his Sunday school teacher led him to the Lord in the uh, stock room of his uncle's shoe store in Chicago. He was a teenager, and he had started attending Sunday school, and that Sunday school teacher came to his uncle's shoe store, and in the back of that shoe store, that guy led him to the Lord, D.L. Moody. He got so excited for the Lord that he wanted to teach a Sunday school class, but the church thought he was too immature to do it. And he got voted down on the first couple of times that he offered to teach Sunday school. You had to be a little bit better advanced. So he decided he saw all these kids in the, in the uh, street during Sunday school, and he went out and started talking to them and asked them if they wanted to attend the Sunday school class in the street. And out of that came a man that went all over the world preaching the gospel. And somewhere down the line, there's this spiritual DNA tree that the guy who preached in North Carolina at a revival had two young teenagers walk into that revival. And both of them gave their lives to Christ. One of them, her name was Julia Jones. The guy that preached that revival, you can track back how he came to know the Lord all the way back to that, that Sunday school teacher in that 
person you're talking to about it is. And the power of God can change their life. And who knows if God gives us more time on this earth, what the DNA of that person's going to be. You have no idea. I have no idea. Stand with me if you would for a few minutes. You know, I short for Maximilian Russell. He spent seven years in a monastery in Rochester, New York. Had a salvation experience at his bunk one day and recanted his pledge to monastic life. Got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And one day he stopped at this little bitty church on New Berlin Road. Had a 12 by 60 mobile home that we were living in with a little baby pastoring about 35 people he stopped and talked to me and I thought he just wanted to sell me an insurance thing and he was from Houston I don't know how that works out but he later told me the Lord told him to stop and pray for that preacher pray for that young saint boy and one day he stopped After he got through praying, I walked into our little mobile home there, and I told Brenda, I said, you know what? I think Polycarp has come back and prayed for you. I felt like I needed to grab his hand and kiss him, you know. I was like, oh, thank you, <laughs> Polycarp, for praying for me. It was just part of my faith being built. And you know what? I, I just feel like I'm obligated to take what that guy did for me give it to someone else. Why should I contain myself? What's, what's the most special thing God has given to me? This is what I want us to do in this closing time. Pledge to the Lord that you will give away what's been given to you. Why would we keep those blessings? Lord, as we stand here in your presence, the Savior of our souls, echoed in this room we believe we believe in you we believe you rose again we believe in the resurrection we believe in your truth lord help us not to be reservoirs of what you put in us help us be tributaries lord to open our lives and to share what's been deposited in us and to change our lives to elevate our faith surrender yourself to that as we worship.